Prakash, do you ever think about buying a house one day? Not just one day, every single day. <laughs> really? Even in this crazy Toronto market? I know, man, I know. But home ownership has been a long-term goal of mine. So then what's stopping you? Nothing but the money, baby. Nothing but the money. You know, you could borrow money from the bank for a house by getting what's called a mortgage. Yeah, I work at a bank. I know what a mortgage is. Good thing my credit score is high, so that helps with the process. What do you mean? Well, you know, your credit score is that number that helps institutions determine how trustworthy you are when they lend you money. I know what a credit score is. I too work at a bank. But to be honest, I don't know how to find it. You don't know your credit score? I never had to. It's not like I'm so confident in my credit score that I didn't think I even needed to check it. But maybe it's just blissful ignorance. I'm ashamed to admit it, but even when applying for my personal line of credit, I didn't even check my score. I just kind of hoped for the best. Considering you work at a bank, you should be ashamed. But come to think of it, I have friends who have bought houses without knowing their credit score. So you're not alone. So you know what that means. It's time for some quick facts. It's time for some quick facts, son. So let's start with the basics. Canada has two organizations called credit bureaus that monitor you the moment you turn 18. Equifax and TransUnion. Um, I know, it sounds creepy. These credit bureaus build a credit score for you, ranging from 300 to 900, based on how you pay your bills on time and how you use your credit. Organizations that lend you money, such as banks, car dealerships, and credit card companies, contact these bureaus to use their credit scores to determine your credit worthiness, as well as to provide the bureaus updates on your spending obligations, like if you're paying your payments on time. Well, what I do know from my time working at the bank is that whenever you don't need credit, you will get offered credit by banks and credit card companies. But when you do need credit, you may not always get it in time. So it's recommended to take the credit when it's available, but not to use it unless necessary. Any other tips, Mr. Financial Literacy? I'll be honest, I don't even know everything. For example, is a perfect credit score even possible? How much of my credit card should I be using? And can checking my credit score too much hurt it? So how about we interview the CEO of Borrowell, which is a company that works with Equifax to provide your credit score for free. Sounds like a plan. One last quick fact that I really have to mention is how many people are actually in credit card debt. Even though Canada is consistently rated in the top five countries when it comes to financial literacy, that hasn't stopped Canadians from racking up over $2 trillion in debt, with almost $800 billion of that being in credit cards. That means that Canadian households are using about 15% of their income just to pay off debt. That is ridiculous. Which is why we're learning more about credit and how it works, which we think is the first step in reducing how much we owe. All right, let's do this. My name is Prakash. My name is Ajay. And this is the Real Talk Roundtable. Welcome to the Real Talk Roundtable. With us today, we have Andrew Graham. Thank you for joining us today. Andrew Graham is co-founder and CEO of Borrowell, a financial technology company that helps consumers make great decisions about their credit. Borrowell was the first company in Canada to offer credit scores for free and has grown to be one of the country's largest fintech companies with around a million users. Borrowell has won numerous awards, including being named one of the top 100 fintech companies in the world by KPMG. Andrew himself is a frequent speaker on financial innovation and was named a 2018 finalist for EY's Entrepreneur of the Year Award for the Ontario region. Active in the community, he is president of the Canadian Club of Toronto. Andrew holds an MBA from Harvard Business School and a master's in economics from the University of Edinburgh. So Andrew, we kind of want to address the first thing about your company that we've always wondered. Is the rumor true that an employee suggested borrow good as the name of the company before the historic decision was named uh, to choose the correct, grammatically correct borrow well? That's funny. Um, so that name was ever suggested, but I can tell you that we had many, many other names that were suggested. We went through a big process 
uh, in terms of choosing the, the name of the company. It's kind of like picking the name of a child for mm -hmm. the people that have, that have been through that. <laughs> takes a lot of thought and effort. Um, probably one of the worst names that we heard, someone said, why don't you name the company Grand Scheme Financial? Because grandschemefinancial.com is available. I don't know if it's still available, but at that time it was available. Doesn't it sound like a pyramid scheme? I think it sounds very bad. I don't know <laughs> what it sounds like, but it sounds very bad. So we did not choose that name. I'm glad very you Bernie made off ish So good choice. <laughs> Um, so while we've certainly done our research, Andrew, uh, we just kind of want to level set here. So for those who are maybe new to the world of startup companies, could you maybe help us understand what is a fintech and more importantly, what is Borowell? How does it work? Sure. Um, look, a fintech is a technology company that's trying to make financial services better. I think it's really that simple. Um, and so we're a technology company trying to help people make great decisions about credit. We know that finances... Uh, can be an area of a lot of stress for a lot of people. There was recently a study published in the Globe and Mail looking at sources of stress in the lives of Canadians. And by far the biggest source of stress was financial services, far higher than you know marriage and divorce, far higher than work and other kinds of stress. Financial stress really stood out. And we exist to try to alleviate that stress. And the way we do that is we provide financial education. Uh, we were the first company in Canada to offer credit scores for free. And I know we're gonna talk about why knowing your credit score is so important. Um, and we also uh, offer great ad advice and also recommend products so that people can achieve their financial goals. So if you're, you know, if you're worried about your financial situation, or maybe you're not, but you want to know how you're going to be able to qualify for a mortgage in a year, or qualify for a car loan, or, or look, or you know, you want to find out what the best savings account is for you, Borwell can help you with all of those things, and it's uh, totally free for for consumers to use. Perfect. That's an amazing explanation, but. I mean, something like that doesn't come out of thin air. So maybe help us understand, how did the idea actually come about? Sure. When I started Borowell, um, um, along with some co-founders, we were really focused on, we've always been focused on the problem of helping consumers make great decisions about credit. We originally were a lender, so we would, and in fact, we still do today, make loans online for people with great credit scores. There's about 90 billion dollars of credit card debt in Canada, much of it held at, at relatively high interest rates by people who've got good credit scores. And so the original insight was to, was to say, hey, why don't we help people refinance some of that debt uh, with a lower cost loan? Um, and so we, we launched uh, in 2015 offering low cost loans online. You could get an answer instantly, much easier than going into a branch, for example. Right. Um, but from there, we found that there were a lot of people who uh, we're looking for advice beyond loans. So we really sort of expanded the mandate of the company or in some ways sort of pivoted the company um, and did a deal with one of the credit bureaus here in Canada to be able to offer credit scores for free. And again, that was the first time anyone had ever done that uh, here. So that was a real turning point for the company. So the free credit scores came after the lending solution. That's right, exactly. Mm -hmm. It came, you know, I think when you launch any business, uh, you really learn what some of, what the challenges are that you're, customers are facing, like what do they want? And we found that a lot of people didn't know where they stood from a credit perspective. So they thought they had a really strong credit score, they thought our loan would be a good solution, and in many cases people had you know, missed payments on a, on a credit card or a mortgage or something in the past that was really bringing down their credit. And so um, what they needed was help to improve that to be able to then qualify for, for other products. So then would it be fair to say that that gap you were filling was really not only finding better lending solutions, but also helping advise on those lending solutions, which I, if I'm thinking about the financial services market right now, you know, I can go into 
NEFI and they'll let me know what I can get in terms of credit, but they might not necessarily give me the most unbiased advice in terms of what I should be using. Right. And again, like you said, that's only one place that I'm getting a rate from or getting a lending solution from. It seems that the gap you're really feeling too is that you're kind of consolidating in one place all of your options while also advising. Yeah, I, I, that, that, I think that's very fair to say. That's exactly right. Um, it, you know, if you're looking for a flight, you can go to the website of an individual airline. Right. Or you can go to a, a marketplace like, um, you know, Kayak or Expedia or whatever people use to search, you know, across a variety of airlines. And so that's kind of what we do. We, we, we have financial products from about 50 different financial institutions in Canada. And we really see our job as being one of trying to match um, people with the right financial products, given their goals, given their credit, and given a whole host of other factors. You mentioned that a lot of people who had these high interest loans actually had great credit scores. So to that point, why is it important for people to keep an eye on their credit score? What does it tell us and how does it affect our lives? So what a credit score is, it's a three-digit number um, uh, that is sort of a summary of how um, banks and other lenders see you as a, as a potential borrower. So it kind of summarizes how you've performed or how, how well you've paid back your debts and other, other factors in the past. So if you have a high credit score, um, you, uh, are, it's going to be easier for you to get another a loan, like a mortgage or a car loan or a new credit card. If you have a lower credit score, um, some institutions are just not going to accept you. They're going to turn you down turn you down, and say, you need to get that score up before we can provide you a product. So that, that's what, what credit scores are. And that's why they're so important. And it used to be that um, you really didn't have easy access to your credit score as a consumer. Um, banks and other institutions could, could get it and could use it, but it was very hard as an individual to get it. You'd either have to pay quite a bit of money every month to, to monitor it or you just couldn't get it at all. So it was, pretty, um, it was a pretty big change um, when we, uh, back in 2016 at Borowell, introduced free credit scores. And to break it down for our audience, the range from credit scores goes from 300 to 900. And so for those who are wondering, it doesn't go to zero. Is a perfect score of 900 possible? I'm a perfectionist. Is that actually something that's feasible for someone to do? So I don't, you know, we have um, uh, about a million users on our platform, and I don't think we've ever seen a perfect score. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I really, uh, you know, any score over 800 is just phenomenally excellent um, and means that you effectively are, can qualify for any product you want, at least on a, from a credit score perspective. A product may have a a limit about um, your income. You're not going to be able to qualify for a five million dollar mortgage, even if you have a perfect credit score. If you don't have any, if you don't have a job, for example. Um, but uh, so you know, getting to 900 sounds like a good idea. Practically, it's sort of impossible, unfortunately. That's good. I can tell my parents. You know what? Not everything in life can be a perfect score. <laughs> um, and also for our audience, credit scores take place once you turn 18. Yeah, that that that's right. I mean, you it, it's pretty rare. I mean, typically you wouldn't have any kind of credit products before you're, you're 18. I don't, at least I, I've never heard of anyone having a credit card in their name or anything like right. that before they turn 18. So it's once you start using credit products like credit cards or even, even you know, like a, a postpaid mobile phone plan, those will typically also report to credit bureaus. So that, that really starts once you, once you turn 18. That's right. Okay. And with all these questions that we've asked, these are questions that we, we've kind of thought about as well as other people we've talked to. Why are credit scores so misunderstood? For example, when it comes to credit cards, people are not sure if they should pay off their credit card all at one time or pay off each transaction as they go. So why do you think it's something that people have difficulty with? I mean, I think part of um, part of the reason is because, the, you know, credit scores have been a bit of a black box, especially in Canada. You know, it was hard to 
even see your credit score. And it's, it's you know, the formula behind credit scores is, is a closely guarded secret, right? I mean, the, the credit bureaus don't publish that. Right. They certainly give indications about the sorts of things that are important to dr- making a credit score uh, go up. Mm-hmm. For example, the mo- you know, probably the most important thing is paying your bills on time. If you have missed payments on, a, on anything, a credit card or mortgage or, 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 or um, a car loan, all of those things are going to really dramatically affect your credit score in a, in a negative way. So if you're behind by 60 days paying a credit card bill, that's really going to dra- drag down your credit score. So there are some o- there's a lot of obvious things you can do to make it better, but the exact formula is, is, is essentially secret. I mean, it's not something that, that is shared, uh, that, that the credit bureaus share publicly. Why is that, though? Why do they keep it such a close secret? What is something that really is reflective of you? I, look, it's a great question. Uh, I, I guess they would probably say that it's part of their sort of intellectual property that they've put a lot of research into determining what goes into the score. The other thing that, that's sort of complicated is there's actually not one credit score. There's actually a whole bunch of different kinds of credit scores. So one bank may use one version of a credit score. Another bank may use a, a different version of a credit score that's more tailored for that use. So. You know, th- that makes things f- a bit even more complicated uh, in this world. Um, maybe just at a high level, because I know it probably get pretty complex, but maybe you could help us understand what those different scores are and why they matter or why they're different. Because I'll be honest, I, I was under the impression that there's only one, and that's what I use when I apply for a loan or a car loan or a mortgage. But you're saying there's a few different ones, and they're used in different ways. Could you maybe help me understand that? Yeah, sure. So... Um, Maybe I'll just go back a step. So, so how does sort of the credit system work in Canada? Well, we have two credit bureaus, Equifax and TransUnion. Yes. And all the all the lenders, or most of the lenders in this country, so the big banks, auto lenders, um, even mobile phone companies, anywhere where you're sort of borrowing in a sense, um, they report to the credit bureaus, typically on a monthly basis, about how you've made your payment. So they'll say, you know, this person made a payment of the, you know on their credit card and here's their here's their credit card balance. This person missed a payment on their mortgage, here's their mortgage balance. So credit bureaus have all this data. They're getting data every day from banks and from other lenders about how consumers are using credit, whether, who's paying back and who's not. So at any at a, any point in time, they have a snapshot on you as a consumer and they know, okay, you've got these three credit cards and this mortgage and this auto loan and these are all up to date. This one is one payment behind. And then they put all of that information together and, uh, and then using their sort of proprietary methods, determine different credit scores. And maybe one credit score is optimized for mortgage lending and one, a different credit score could be optimized for um, uh, auto, an auto lender, for example. Okay. Now, the good news is, even though there's differences between these scores, they all generally uh, are driven by the same things. So if you're missing payments, that's gonna be bad no matter what kind of credit score. <laughs> okay. And, and the other thing is credit scores all typically kind of move in the same direction. So if you're monitoring, you don't need to monitor 15 different credit scores. That, that's crazy. We provide uh, what's called the Equifax Risk Score 2, which is a certain type of credit score. It's a high, well, very widely used credit score in Canada. We picked it for that reason. So if you're monitoring your credit score with Borowell, that's giving you a very, very, very good indication of what your credit's going to look like across you know, any lender for any kind of product. But with the variety of credit scores and different institutions using it, is it to say that they're always accurate? Are there, I know there's horror stories of where people have been misidentified through different um, identities on different credit bureaus. Is that a risk that consumers need to be worried about? Yeah, so th- there's a definitely a real problem, um, or there can be a problem, of credit bureaus having wrong information. 
And that can happen if um, one of the banks or lenders that's reporting to them sends them wrong information. So maybe you've closed a credit card, um, but the bank, for whatever reason, hasn't told the credit bureau that it's closed. So they keep reporting every month that you have this credit card open. And that can really affect your, your credit file. We've seen people, for example, that when they, when they check their credit report, and a, a credit report is kind of a list of all the different credit cards and other loans you have. And by the way, we show that for free as well on, at Borowall. So you can get not only your score, but your full report for free. And we really encourage people to come to, to the site, come to the app, and check their credit report and make sure there's nothing on there that's a, that, that's a surprise. So sometimes things can be on there accidentally because, um, uh, again, you've closed uh, an account and it didn't actually show closed. Or the other thing that can happen is there can be identity theft. So someone could be out there applying for products in your name. Uh, they could be applying for a credit card in your name. And that could, that'll then be reported to the credit bureau. And if they're not paying, uh, then that could negatively affect your score. So that's another reason why it's really important to monitor your credit file and your credit score. And if your credit score takes a big dip, you really want to understand why. Thank you for bringing up the distinction between credit reports and credit scores. I think it's important that people know that those two are different. Suffice it to say, it's important that people monitor both those things in order to stay up to date on their accurate information. Now, you're absolutely right um, in that there can be errors. Um, and people aren't always sure how these scores are calculated. And, you know, you've given us a, a decent enough reason where they, the credit bureaus or credit reporting agencies say that, you know, it's a proprietary formula. Fair enough. But, you know, you clearly believe that it's something that people should be aware of on a constant basis. They should be able to check kind of like a health pulse on what their credit score looks like. So then if that's the case and if that's something that people clearly want because you have almost a million users now, why is it then that the credit reporting and, and bureau industry makes it so difficult to obtain it? I mean, there's even the, the premise out there that if you look for it more than once in a year, it could actually impact your credit score negatively. So why would they make it so hard to get when it's something that affects you so, it can be so dire at times, right? Well, I mean, look, I, I think that's one of the reasons why um, Equifax um, has allowed us to offer it for free. I think, I think there is a move to be more transparent about this kind of information. And so I, I think it used to be very hard to get. Now it's actually very easy to get. I mean, anyone who's, who's tried um, uh, going, to, going to our site, there's a couple other, other, other sites in Canada, other companies in Canada that offer scores for free. Again, we were the first to do it. It's actually very easy to get now. And that's, and that's absolutely true. I think that landscape is changing um, with many different players in the market. But if it's not too much to ask, maybe in the past, why do you feel it was so, so much of a black box? Like people didn't understand it so well and, and couldn't obtain it as easily before the, it kind of opened up a bit more and there was this move towards transparency. Why was it such a closely guarded secret and wasn't you know, something that people could access so easily before? I think credit scores were originally developed as a tool for lenders, for banks and such. And right. there may have been reluctance to share with consumers, but I'm, I don't know. It, it, it's a great question. Okay, fair enough. You've also made it clear in the past um, that credit cards or other short-term lending solutions shouldn't be used like longer-term loans for the obvious reason of higher interest rates or the fact that they're maybe more revolving products. But in that case, how would you characterize the way people should generally approach credit and credits and lending solutions? Uh, I think one of the reasons that finances can be really uh, challenging is there's so many different products out there. You know, there's credit cards, lo personal loans, mortgages, home equity lines of credit. There's so many different things out there and understanding what's going to be right for you is really complicated. And so part of what we're doing, and I think we do this well today, but not perfectly, or the, and we're, we continue to invest 
in tools is try to help people understand what's the best mix of products for them, of financial products at any point in their journey. So um, if, if, you know, for example, if someone comes to Borowell and has a, um, a lot of debt that they're carrying in one form or another, we can show them what loans are available to them that might be at a lower cost. And so it becomes easy that way then to understand if you've got um, you know, a lower cost, lower cost option. So I think, I think what, what we're trying to do and other companies are trying to do is try to make finances less complex by really making it clear what, what options are available to you. Now, if I have, though, let's say a credit card with a much higher limit, right, and I, maybe my car breaks down and maybe I need to buy a new car and I have a $10,000 limit and I can buy a $5,000 car because that's credit that's available to me, why would I not use that versus, let's say, a line of credit or an auto loan? Well, I think it really is going to come down to interest rate, amongst other things. Right. Um, uh, you know, credit cards are great products for buying things; are easy. You can use them everywhere, um, but many of them have quite high interest rates. So you just need to be aware of what the interest rate is in your credit card. Many interest rates would have, you know, uh, many cards rather would have interest rates of you know nineteen, twenty plus percent, right. which is pretty high. I mean, if you've got if you own a home, for example, and you've got a line, a secured line of credit, you might be you could probably get an interest rate of you know two, three, four percent, something like that. So that could be a much cheaper way to borrow. Even auto loans, you know, really depends on your situation, but could be a lot cheaper than, than a credit card. But if I'm using that credit card um, incorrectly, as you're saying, you know, there, there are better solutions if I need a longer term loan. But if I am using it that way, and that would definitely mean that I'm not paying off my full balance every month, yeah. is that going to hurt my credit score in the long run? So I think the most important thing uh, to keep a score high is you got to make your your payments, at least your minimum payments. Okay. So you you don't you certainly don't want a credit a credit card reporting to the credit bureau that you're behind on payments. Right. So making a minimum payment is really important. Another big factor that that impacts your credit score is what's called utilization. So that's sort of the percentage of the available of the credit you have available to you that you're using. Uh, so let's say you let's say you have a very simple financial situation. You have one credit card. That's all you have. And that credit card has a limit of, I don't know, ten thousand dollars. If you're using, if you've always, if you're always got, if you always have a balance of ten thousand dollars in that credit card, that really is going to hurt. Even if you're actually making your payments on time, that's still right. going to hurt your credit score, because what what the observation is is that you're using all the credit available to you. You're really at your limit, right? And that's that tends to be a negative sign. And so the golden rule I've heard is to use thirty percent of your limit. Is that a rule that people should follow? Is that uh... yeah? I think that's a good rule of thumb. Um, that as much as possible, try not to use more than thirty percent of of the the limits across your cards or on any one card. Um, we've got a good tool that that allows you that, that calculates your your utilization for you. Um, um, you know, on on the site, I mean, it, it does that automatically, so it's worth checking that out. I, I think that that's a good rule of thumb. I mean, th life happens. You know, maybe you've got a bunch of extra expenses one month because your car breaks down, or you're getting married, and you got a wedding, or wh whatever. Um, but as a, I think that's a great rule of thumb. Discussing some of these rules, what are some other basic rules that consumers should follow in order to increase or maintain a high credit score? Other, I know you mentioned bill payments, but things like utilization. Are there other things that consumers should know that would help? Uh, benefit them by knowing these rules in advance? Yeah, the, another thing that's important is um, how, how much, uh, how, much how, how long you've had an active credit file, okay? So, um, you know, someone who's had a credit file and has demonstrated they can use credit effectively for five years is gonna be less risky and therefore have a higher score than someone who in the exact same situation who's only had an active credit file for a year. So it's, it's another good rule of thumb that uh, you should try to keep your oldest credit product active. 
So maybe you have a, you have a credit card that you've had you know for ten years, um, and every other product you have you know is only you only had in the last year or two. Uh, even if you're not using that ten year old credit card, it's probably a good idea to keep it keep it active rather than shutting it down because you you, you can show that you've got ten years of credit history with that with a with a, a card and with a lender you've got a ten year relationship. Does it hurt if that consumer changed credit cards within the same institution? Usually it doesn't. I mean that that that's one of those things that different institutions can treat it differently, but but usually it should be fine if you're switching with an institution. And with credit cards, I know I asked the earlier example, maybe we can answer it. Should consumers pay off their credit card all at one time or each transaction as they go? Is there a distinction between the two? I don't think generally that there's a distinction. I mean, typically with a credit card, um, you know, the, the credit card issuer, like the bank or whoever, is only going to report once a month to the credit bureau typically. Um, so it, it's kind of like a snapshot every 30 days. So uh, what happens in between doesn't typically matter. Okay. And I think it's a great point that you mentioned uh, I guess utilization. I know a lot of people who are scared of using credit cards think, hey, if I pay everything with cash, as long as I pay it off, it's fine. But for those who need to buy a house, it's actually great to have a credit card for a longer term so they actually build a credit score history. That's right. For those who actually have a credit score history that's already low, is there something they can do to repair it or maybe fast track how they can actually get to a place of good standing? I think the first thing to do is to make sure that you are up to date on all your payments. So you want to check your credit report to make sure that, that nothing is showing as um, unpaid or, or delinquent. Um, and if something is showing delinquent, you really want to resolve that. So either you need to make the payment or if it's an error, you need to get that error corrected with the credit bureaus. Um, so that's the, by far the most important thing you can do. And often, you know, we've seen situations where someone, you know, forgot to pay. There's a $10 balance on some card and it's been sitting out there for a year or two. And it's like, you know what, just go pay the $10 and then shut down that, that card if you're not using it or, 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 you know, and that can make a dramatic difference, even something as small as that. So I, I think ensuring that you've got no late payments showing is the most important thing you can do. Second most important thing would be going back to our talk about utilization, try to get that utilization down. A, a good way to do that is, I mean, if you've got the cash, obviously just pay it down. If you don't have the cash, you could, you know, moving from, um, what's called a revolving credit, which is like a credit card typically. If you can turn that into like in, into like a loan, uh, like, a, like a specific loan, like a, like a mortgage. Like a fixed. Like a, exactly, where there's a fixed monthly payment, uh, term, you know, either a personal loan or a term loan, um, that can also help your credit because you're reducing that amount of outstanding revolving credit. So shifting gears back to your company, as you mentioned in your bio, Barwell has been named one of the top 100 fintechs in the world by KPMG. But with competitors such as Credit Karma out there offering free credit scores, what makes Barwell stand out? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think there's lots of room for different companies to be successful in this space. Um, you know, I've talked about how financial stress is one of the biggest sources of stress on consumers, um, and if you if you look at the data for North America, even though we have uh, probably the best employment numbers we've had in in probably 50 years right now. There are still a lot of cons consumers who are stretched financially. Okay, so um, about fifty percent of people in North America are like four hundred dollars away from insolvency. So there's a lot of people that have, you know, good jobs, are getting paid quite a bit, but really don't have a lot in the way of savings. And sorry, if, if I can maybe just interject for a second, that four hundred dollars figure. How do I understand that? Is like on a monthly basis, if their expenses were to increase by four hundred dollars, they'd be insolvent. Yeah, that, that's right. Wow. So, so imagine that um, you know a car broke down unexpectedly, or they lost their job, yeah. 
or you know, in a U.S. context, if they had some sort of medical problem and they weren't didn't have insurance, um, there's a lot of people who are, are spending literally 100% of what they make and just don't have a lot in the way of savings. And there's lots of lots of reasons why that would happen. Right. But that is the reality for a lot of families across North America. So that that kind of creates its own kinds of stresses and pressures. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of different companies that are trying to solve those problems. Uh, you know, of which of which we're one, um, of which Borwell's one. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of different companies that can be successful in this space. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I, what I worry about is how do we, how are we, are we doing our best to solve problems for our users? I worry less about, you know, who, who might be um, uh, competing with us or trying to, do, or trying to offer similar products. That is a uh, true purity of intent. So we appreciate that. Um, well, first off, kudos, kudos to answering the question as a compassionate CEO versus the ruthless one who says, we'll crush out the competition. Uh, one of your products is Credit Coach, uh, your new free AI-powered credit coaching tool. Tell us a bit more about that. I'm really excited about the, the opportunities that, that artificial intelligence offers in financial services. It used to be the case that if you had a lot of money, you could get great financial advice. You get tax planners and wealth planners and all that kind of thing. Um, but if you didn't have a lot of money, it was hard to get good advice. Well, artificial intelligence, I think, really offers the chance to change that. So artificial intelligence can bring to bear a lot of solutions that can work for, you know, everybody. And our credit coach is a great example of that. Our credit coach is a tool that is free uh, when you sign up for Borwell that crunches through your credit file um, and using the, all the experience we have with a million uh, users helps uh, understand in a very digestible way what's driving your credit score, what you can do to improve it, what actions you can take, what products might be a good fit for you. And uh, we're really excited about that because it really does make uh, advice accessible to everybody. Um, and it's it's still early days for us. Uh, we're really proud of, of credit, the credit coach uh, as it exists today. But we've got a really exciting roadmap of improvements that we're going to be rolling out over the next sort of 6, 12 months that I think are going to make that even uh, an even richer and more useful experience. That's great to hear. But are there any risks to using AI or using AI, especially in a fintech space? I think, um, you know, always with AI, you know, you, you need to be thoughtful about how you are using a tool, just like any technology um, or the set of tools. Um, there's, there's risks of bias. There's risks of just unhelpful advice as well. So we've, we've really put a lot of a real sort of human overlay onto what we've built. Um, but I think the upsides are pretty clear. So we're, we're excited to be, um, we're excited to have launched our credit coach and, and uh, we've been getting great feedback. I know we chatted about it a bit earlier on uh, when we were speaking here, but maybe if we could just take it back to the development of the company, but one specific part about it, which I find very, very interesting because, you know, we kind of talked about how credit reporting, credit bureaus are a bit of a black box at times and more so historically than maybe now, maybe that sentiment's changing, but how did you and your team get Equifax to allow Borwell to provide credit scores to Canadians for free when in the past that's kind of been their niche in their market? Uh, so we spoke earlier about, you know, the move to democratize right. uh, credit scores to make them more transparent. And I think Equifax has been a great partner in that. They were really keen when we approached them um, to partner with us to do this. Um, and so um, I, I think from their perspective, uh, it's important to, um, you know, have, give consumers easy, easier access to their credit file, credit score. 
Um, and it also, I think, raises, I think what one of the things that it's done is actually raised the level of awareness that credit scores even exist. And I think that's probably long-term good for Equifax and, and other credit bureaus because it, it means there's going to be more interest in their products um, uh, from many angles. So I think, I think if you ask them, I think they'd say that it's worked out you know, really well. Um, we certainly think it's worked out well uh, based on all the, all the feedback we've received from our, our users. Previously, you had to pay for your credit score. I know through Equifax and TransUnion, it's still the same. By making it free through Borrowell and other competitors, what's their benefit in partnering with fintechs? Uh, I mean, I think it's a great question that, that you should ask to them. Um, uh, you know, I think, I think what, we, what we did with them is we were able to roll this out, uh, I think, in a, in a very um, quick way and, and make it accessible to many, many, many people, uh, you know, quite, as I said, quite quickly. Uh, and I, I think there's a nimbleness and a, and a speed that fintech companies, that, 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 you know, startup companies can bring to a challenge like this. And, and we've certainly benefited, I think, from the partnership with them, and and you know we we learn from them certainly. Um, uh, but but I, I you know I think I think what you're raising is a great a great question. And let's not mince words. Uh, and I think that's part of the premise of why Borwell exists. Credit can be a bit scary um, and a bit confusing. Like credit products themselves can be, or at least people understand to be sometimes convoluted, confusing have hidden money grabs like fees and penalty or extra interest in certain cases. Uh, what we've noticed though with Borowell specifically is that you're very transparent at explaining how your company and services work and even more surprisingly, how you make money. Like it's right there almost on the front page of your site, which is very different from most companies, FinTech or not. Why is transparency an important focus for your company when other companies in your space may historically have considered it a detriment? I think whenever you're getting something for free as a consumer, you should be uh, wary. You should right. be a bit suspicious, and you should understand what's ha what's going on. And I think we've really wanted to put those fears to rest and help people understand how our business model works. It, you know, I, I mentioned that we have over 50 financial institutions that 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 put their financial products on our platform. That includes most of the major banks in Canada, and we get paid when we successfully match a consumer to one of those products. So if you go onto our site and you find a credit card or a you know saving personal savings account that's great for you and you take it, uh, that's good for the financial institution. And so we we get a, a essentially a um, you know a fee from them for that. We get compensated from them for that. And kind so of, kind of like a referral fee. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. A referral fee is a good, a good way of thinking of it. Um, and we think that's great. I mean, we think sort of everyone's winning in that situation. The consumer is discovering a product they may not have known about or they didn't realize was a good fit for them. And the financial institution is getting a, a new customer. So we think everyone wins in that situation and, and we take, uh, you know, some, some uh, a referral fee as part of that exactly. So you've already mentioned tools such as Credit Coach. In terms of the future, what does it look like for Borrowell? Do you feel its DNA will continue to change and evolve, uh, or will Borrowell focus on what it does best, lending and finding lending solutions? I think we're really focused on our mission, which is helping consumers make great financial decisions. Um, there are so many financial decisions that we each make in a day. Some of them are, are pretty small, like which credit card should I use to buy this coffee? Right. Um, some of them are larger. Uh, you know, Do I have the right mortgage? Um, is now the right time for me to buy a car? And we really want to help make all of those kinds of decisions easier and more efficient. And we really see ourselves being at the hub of, uh, at the heart, I think, of the, um, the financial lives of our, of our members, of our users. And so we're always looking for, for ways to be more helpful and to try to demystify 
and um, you know, increase the efficiency of uh, financial services. So, you know, it, it, that's the vision. So there's a whole bunch of different things we're working on based on that. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I think we've got an exciting couple of years ahead. So I think if you've been listening for that piece of it, you could probably hear it in what you talk about in your mission and the future of the company. But maybe let's just ask it outright. Does Borwell have a social or public good aspect to it, or can you maybe foresee that in the future? I think we feel really strongly that we are doing something important in the world, which is helping to reduce the amount of financial stress out there and improve the financial lives, uh, and, and I guess the lives more broadly, of the people who use our products. So, you know, there's people that are going to go to bed tonight um, worried about their finances. There are people that are going to go to bed tonight having had a fight with their spouse about their finances. Um, and if we can contribute in a, even, if, even in a small way to reducing some of that stress and helping people feel more confident in their decisions, helping them find better solutions uh, for whatever they're trying to accomplish, uh, then I think um, that's a really exciting outcome for us. And I think that mission really animates a lot of what we do here and is a real reason why I think if you talk to some of our employees, it's, it's why people are excited to work here. Um, so we really see that, that social mission as being, as being really, really well aligned with um, you know, financial objectives and all the other objectives that we have as a company. You're very passionate about financial education for consumers across Canada. Do you have a personal motivation for why you care so much about it? You know, having seen friends and family members struggle financially in various ways over the years, um, uh, you know, I just know how big of a deal this is, how, how big of a problem um, financial services can be. Uh, and there's just so much that's complicated um, and, co and complex about it. There's, we have so many different, we've, you know, we have more financial products available to us today than we've ever had. Uh, there's more kinds of mortgages, you know, do I fit, you know, um, fixed or variable, one-year term, five-year term, like there's just, there's so much complexity out there. Uh, and yet at the same time, we've, we've, we've got better technology than we've ever had before with tools like artificial intelligence, that the opportunity to put all that together and try to solve a problem, I think is really compelling. So say that you recognize that money is such an emotional trigger for people that, you know what, if we can help them with that, we can actually alleviate a lot of the stress in their lives. That's exactly right. You're clearly very passionate about you, what you do. And I have to imagine your staff is very much the same. It seems you have an excellent team and not only for your team, your customers, but for Borwell at large, it seems like the future is very bright. Um, and you're clearly all very passionate about seeking to help your customers about making better decisions when it comes to credit and just, quite frankly, having better options and being better educated. Um, we really want to thank you for really helping us understand credit better, understanding what Borowell does and why this change is happening in the industry. Um, so just want to say it's been an absolute pleasure. I want to thank you for your time and, quite frankly, your candor. So we really appreciate that, Andrew. Well, thanks for having me. I love um, I love talking talking about this topic. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, thank you very much. Yeah. I expect nothing less. <laughs> we learned a lot. So, uh, from personally from Jay and I, thank you so much. Okay, now I feel more comfortable with this whole credit score business. We learned the importance of utilization in a lot more detail and got to confirm some things we heard, but now actually know. I'm definitely going to find out what my credit score is, though. Wait a minute. This interview was recorded months ago. Did you check it yet? Maybe. All right, you and I are going to have a talk later. Okay. But it helped increase my confidence as well. We also want to mention that credit cards are not good or bad. They're just tools that can be used to purchase items if you know how to use them wisely. Just make sure not to carry your balances over every month so you don't have to be charged those high interest fees. 
Also, as an update, congratulations to Borobel on reaching over 1 million users as of June 2019. We'd also like to thank Rachel Sermon and Michelle Mirza from Andrew's office for supporting us with coordinating the interview. Also, don't forget to follow our social media pages on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates. Feel free to share your comments with us, and if there are any future topics you'd like us to explore, let us know. If you liked what we discussed today, feel free to share it with friends and family. And as always, we really do appreciate your support. Thanks for listening, and we we'll hope you'll join us in the next episode of the Real Talk Roundtable. Thank you.